Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. I'm Gumshoe Tom. We are Team Binge. We are here to talk about True Detective Season 4, Episode 2, which they call Part 2. And so confusing. It is confusing, them doing things <laughs> in sequential order. I also want to call it Dark Country, but it's Night Country, so... Mm-hmm. A lot of things confuse me, not just in the show and podcasting, just life in general. I'm like a blind man, just wandering around trying to figure out what's going on. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you, all of you that participate and reach out. It's fun to hear from all of you. What we like to do once we're deep into a show is get Tom's pulse on how he feels. He came out of episode one happy he said this was the most (laughs) uplifting show he'd ever seen sometimes he turns it on in the background just to feel good about the world tom having watched two episodes and i believe this is a seven episode show is that correct six Six? i think it's six i think man it'd be great if it was only six i'd get my get my life back but (laughs) talk to me tom after watching two how'd you feel I don't know if I, I, I still like the show. I feel like this is similar to my take on A Murder at the End of the World, where I thought the pilot was really good. I think they did a good job of setting up the characters and setting up the mystery. Obviously, that huge reveal at the end of the first episode was was big. But some of the stuff they do here, I think, is kind of silly, and they're kind of plot devices. I don't, like, I didn't like where they took Danvers. Like, she's just gotten more and more, like, nasty and mean and borderline racist mm-hmm. um oh not so, like, borderline my became... friend not borderline <laughs> yeah. like they just became a little bit more unlikable than i would have preferred i mean i know this is true detective and it's gritty and like these aren't necessarily like the best people but um i didn't find myself enjoying this episode quite as much as i did the first but what's what's your take well my question is did you feel like they stretched some things where you were like wait what like they stretched some reality a little bit in this one is that Part of your criticism? Well, I feel like they kind of did that a little bit in the first one of like playing on like, is there ghosts? Is there like spirituality and stuff kind of happening? Which I'm I'm all for. I think it's an interesting kind of take, but I don't know. We'll get to it. But like when that guy makes the breathing noise, like he's still alive, like, come on. Like that was, that, that took me seemingly out of it a bit. Tom, if that's a breathing noise to you, the sound that gentleman makes, um, go see a doctor because that was not breathing. That was, I think, someone in an excruciating amount of pain uh, who should go see a doctor right away for that stump of an arm he now hands. That, listen, we're going <laughs> to talk hands. about that. Let's 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 talk about how Buster Bluth is made in this show because uh, he's got no hand. Anyways, I'm with you. I'm enjoying the show. I'm not going to dice it up. I'm going to enjoy the enjoy the moodiness. There were just a couple of times in this episode where I was like, what? What? And so mm-hmm. we'll talk about it, but let's go through it. One of the things I want to mention at the top, Tom, is I did listen to an interview, and I'm trying not to cheat by like going on Reddit and like looking up a bunch of stuff, but I did listen to an interview with Issa Lopez, who's the creator and director. Um, And it was quite interesting. And some of the things I wanted to just mention that she talked about, and I don't feel like they're like spoiler-ish, but she was kind of talking about the things that she drew inspiration from as she was writing this show, which I got the sense that she actually just started writing this show. And then 
HBO wanted to work with her and they were like, hey, we're trying to revamp like True Detective. And she kind of took this story that she'd already made and like Mm -hmm. adapted it to True Detective. So if it feels a little bit different, if it feels like maybe there's like a super supernatural edge that the other seasons were, I felt like based in reality, but there was still kind of this overarching like evil in the world that was invading. Um, I think that might be because of how this show was created. But Hmm. what I did want to talk about is one of the things she mentioned is the uh, Dyatlov, and I'm sure I'm saying that right. It's a Russian word. The Dyatlov pass incident which is something you and I have talked about offline on like (laughs) camping trips and stuff, because it's one of my favorite subjects to bring up when you're alone in the woods surrounded by bears. (laughs) Uh, In like the 1950s, this group of like seasoned uh, Russian hikers, it was the Soviet Union back then, went out into the Ural Mountains. They never returned. And then they found all of them dead, like for strange reasons. And I won't Mm -hmm. go into all of the details, but essentially... People for the rest of time will be trying to figure out what happened to this group because they died in like different ways and it couldn't be easily explained by like avalanche or something like that. So mm-hmm. she drew on that and she even said in the in the interview, she has this like throwaway lines where she's like, which I don't think has been investigated enough. And then she like, so she <laughs> clearly thinks there's a deep conspiracy into what happened um, mm-hmm. in that. The other thing she mentioned is that she kind of, thought of the station um tom you're gonna have to say the name of the station it is the (laughs) salal thank you the salal station she thought of it as like a spaceship this is the crew the crew's gone missing that was part of her thinking and then the last bit from like a detective and mystery point of view is she really liked sherlock holmes and like you see it in this episode sherlock holmes is all about asking the right questions and they really Mm -hmm. like emphasize that in this And she really hates the Agatha Christie model where you gather everyone into a room. So she lost some points from me because, you know, I love me some a Christie. But Mm -hmm. I did think all of that was interesting. So in the end, we are not going to get a moment where everyone gathers in a library in front of a roaring fire. And they're like, it couldn't be you. It couldn't be you. And then the murderer tries to run for the door. Um, and they nab them. So that does make a lot of sense because yeah, this this show is not presenting like a bunch of different potential killers or murderers. Like even just in part two here, is it even implying that there might be a murderer or somebody that kind of did this as opposed to just these guys going crazy? So I, I like that, and I think that makes sense. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did a little bit of a deep dive. Well, I'm trying not to do too big of a deep dive, but I do find like as they are going through these frozen bodies and like some of the evidence of to, like how they died, part of that is pulled from that incident that happened in mm-hmm. real life, which is super creepy. So if you're ever going to spend some time in the woods alone or with a small group of people, <laughs> I recommend go on a Wikipedia and Reddit deep dive of the, it's the D-Y-A-T-L-O-V pass incident and just have yourself a grand old time. Tell your kids about it before you go out there. They'll love it. <laughs> uh, I did, Tom, you've taught me this, to watch the, like, recently on, or, like, the recap that they do. Mm-hmm. There was a focus on Anna Kay's murder, how she was murdered, like, star-shaped wounds 32 times. I made note of that, thinking that would come into play in all of this. It really didn't in this episode, but... I'm trying to see what the show is pointing us to as we 
move on this. Did you pick up anything from the uh, recap in the beginning that you felt like was worth focusing on? No, nothing really kind of stood out to me. I feel kind of like the, the central mystery of how these guys got to this point and like to me the the expressions on their face and we'll get to i mean again they're all naked they had burnt corneas ruptured eardrums all that stuff to me is just like wild and i couldn't help but think like what could have caused all this so i like the questions they kind of go to later on to try to make sense of it sure sure and that's where we start they're going over the dead bodies and listen not a great time that's all I'm going to say. Just wasn't, would not find myself standing uh, around like, oh, I certainly wouldn't be joking and horse playing around all these dead bodies. This was one thing I did find a little bit strange. Why are all the police like, I don't know, cracking wise and throwing a football over the bodies? What, what was that about? Like, are we yeah, just trying to establish in. that Danvers is the serious one in the group? I, I thought this was very strange for dead for eight people dead, but I, and and certainly in a way where they all look like they were, I don't know, celebrating a birthday. That's how I celebrate <laughs> birthdays: naked in a group in the in the forest. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, thought I thought it was strange. Yeah, the guy comes in hot with a chainsaw and just starts chainsawing like after they've really decided like what to do. The guy takes an ussy with the the popsicle people. Um, <laughs> popsicle people. Corpsicles is what the corpsicles, corpsicles is the term that we're going to be using. Did you think but, that was just like an ice sculptor guy? She was like, "Who ordered the ice sculptor?" And he's like, "You wanted me to make a, a koi fish? Is that is that what uh, was ordered here for the birthday? Koi fish and snow cones. Yep." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Danvers is just treating them all like children, which they clearly are being in this sequence. But like this, I mean, I don't know, like we'll get to, I think, what the central mystery is of all this and what might be causing some of it, I think a little bit later, maybe when they do the questions. But they do bring up here in this sequence, the whole spiral on the forehead and that tattoo. And that has themes to the first season. So I think it is interesting, especially when you say in the top that, you know, Issa Lopez, when she wrote this, maybe didn't have true detective in mind it's interesting they're tying a lot of this season seemingly back to season one which i don't think two and three did nearly as much no i don't know that uh, i've always thought of these as kind of separate worlds but same Mm -hmm. moodiness um which is what makes the series fun i i did think it was like they kept being like oh that the spiral the symbols older than the ice and you're just like I mean, it's just kind of an easy symbol to draw. Doesn't every kid that like doodles at some point, like, are we maybe giving a little bit too much credit to the kid that was in a cave, I don't know, 4,000 years ago when the world was made and he like ran his finger in a spiral and like, I don't know, 100 years ago when we discovered it, we were like, oh, this symbol must meant a lot to them. And instead it was, I mean, what if people are going to find a bunch of Stussy signs uh, and be like, oh, this, this symbol was a symbol of their God, Stussy. I don't like, I don't know. It doesn't. I'm pretty sure the White Walkers do it in Game of Thrones. So maybe this is the uh, origin of the White Walkers as well. There you go. There you go. But the, but so the tie to season one, and again, I don't know a lot of this because it's been long since removed since I've watched season one, but I guess that symbol was like tied to some like devil worshiping cult. Mm-hmm. Um, and also has ties, I think, to the opening credit kind of quote that shows before we even start this series. Um, it's like some kind of fictional work, but it talks about like this yellow king or a specific like 
I don't know. I'll butcher like the naming convention of it. But if you're interested in it uh, and you want to kind of do a deep dive, you talking about Carcosa? Are you talking about Carcosa? Wow, Is that what you're I am about? talking. About, that's what I was thinking about, but I couldn't say it. Do you know about Carcosa or more about it? Oh, no. All I remember, and uh, this is a tough look, but all I remember is from season one, they throw all this stuff in there, and it gives it all a mystical, but in the end, it's just like a dirtbag killing kids. So I mm-hmm. don't know. Like, there were some ties to a cult that was abusing children um, and, uh, you know, terrible, but... Uh, in the end, it was just human beings being terrible to human beings. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I, I, I like that they're bringing those ties in, but I, I don't remember the... I can't quote you chapter and verse of Carcosa and the Yellow King. That, yeah. That's not that's not the holy book I studied growing up. I apologize. <laughs> uh, anyways, talk to me about... So you mentioned it before. They go through some of the things that, like the bodies... The bodies went through in terms of like burnt corneas, ruptured eardrums, uh, like crushed, I don't know, noses. Um, One guy's arm (laughs) uh, breaks here. (laughs) Not to. Anyways, what I what I wanted to ask you is, is, did you start to pull any like theories from that? I don't know what's going on. Like my, my central thought is there's got to be more to the mine. Like that seems to be kind of like what is keeping this town alive something happened to like the water seemingly when this incident happened. I feel like they're kind of throwing these little Easter eggs about like the mind being more at play. Like, so something, something tells me that that's going to be maybe, I don't know if it caused this, if they were drinking the water. I, I don't, I don't know, but I feel like we're going to come back to that and that's going to have a little bit more to the overarching story. And we don't know what kind of mine it is, right? We haven't, we haven't no, gone into that. So. Mm-hmm. And then, I so this could be the water at the station has gone bad and they drank it and this and this happened. Mm-hmm. Tom, at what point am I I think I should hold it for later episodes because once again, some of the things that they talk about with these corpses have direct correlation with the Dyslav um pass incident and the injuries are similar. And then there's a bunch of theories on what happened to those people. And I wonder if they're going to try and like take some of those theories and apply it to this show. I'm going to okay, wait to talk through all of those. Um, but it's like the, you know, avalanche and then there's some like wild ones. Um, Mm -hmm. but like even like wild animals, because honestly, someone's body in the real life incident was missing their tongue. Um, and so that, well, wild, wild animals, wild animals are known for their, um, tidiness and they're really good at folding clothes. So that does track. Listen, same incident, all those clothes, uh, all the people that ran out at that uh, the Dyslav Pass, th- their clothes were all found in a similar way, like laid out and organized, <laughs> really? and they weren't wearing them. So once again, another correlation. And they even talk about uh, in this about, I don't remember the exact uh, verbiage, but when you get hypothermia, you like think you're too hot. So sometimes you strip off clothes because your mm-hmm. body is telling you one thing, but it's you're like just paradoxical so cold. hypothermia. That's the one. Thank you, doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so a lot of weird stuff being thrown around. I just, I also, the last thing I'll say about this moment where they're all staring at the bodies, which ends with the body screaming because his arm falls off. Um, <laughs> but Hank is there and Hank is like, Let's all listen to Wet Blanket Danvers. Like, you could tell almost that when he was in charge, 
no one took things serious. Like they gave me mm-hmm. that impression that I don't, once again, kind of like what we talked about last night. I don't think Hank is dirty. I just think Hank is like, he assumes this job is just a paycheck and he doesn't really care about doing a, a, a his job well, right? We get a little bit more of his background and clearly he seems to be like an abusive father and might have come from an abusive household himself. So yeah, I don't, I don't think he's seems to take this job as serious, but I still have questions as to why he was hiding the evidence and, or not, not, well, I mean, I, I'd argue he is hiding the evidence. Like not only did he have it at his house, but he had like in a drawer kind of tucked away. There's definitely more to that, but I, I'm with you. I don't know if he's necessarily dirty at this point. Sure. Yeah. I'd like to, when we get to that moment, we can, I'll, I'll challenge the abusive, uh, abusiveness because okay. I mean, are you allowed Please. to back? Are you allowed to backhand someone who's robbed your house? I don't know. I would argue. Let's, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. Robbers everywhere getting backhanded. Anyways, <laughs> the big thing that happens is one guy's like, "Hey, look at this! I'm going to shake this guy's hand," and then the arm breaks off, and that gentleman starts to scream. And I was sitting in the room watching the show with someone whom <laughs> I am married to. And the look on their face when this happened <laughs> was incredible. We don't watch a lot of horror stuff. This was very much, you pointed out that the show's got a lot of horror vibes. This was very much uh, unexpected, we'll just say. The way he like started screaming and like moving his mouth, like I almost expected something to come out of his mouth and it would be like an alien or thing style deal. Like yep. I didn't realize until they gave that little exposition line about oh he's in the hospital he needs major surgery before we can talk to him but i i mean i i guess this is possible i did see something on the internet that said like people have been known to survive for like hours uh frozen in ice this was days Um, this was days and he was no idea we We have no no idea i'm pretty sure this is well it said it's been three days but we don't know like when they were frozen like when (sighs) they ended up here so like there's a lot of question marks that we still still don't know so again he's like we were out there we were out there for 15 minutes you guys found (laughs) us we've been out they're like what you're only out there for 15 minutes but i like the idea of a plot device of we've got a, a live one if you will so we'll get an interview with him later on in the series to be able to kind of tie some loose ends i think it'll be fun Listen, they put that guy in an induced coma. Tom, if that ever happens to me, just make the coma permanent. I don't <laughs> okay. I don't want to wake up from this. Like I did appreciate the guy trying to put his arm back on. He's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, pal. Let me just does it go this way? Does the thumb go up or does the thumb go down?" Sorry. I got it backwards. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyways, that was gross and weird. Honestly, it was a little bit comical. <laughs> Just the way he started screaming. And it, uh, listen, I've never come across a dead body that's been frozen and screaming. So I don't know <laughs> how it's supposed to look, but this did look a little bit comical to me. But sometimes yeah. instead of crying, I laugh. So that's mm. what, that's what happened. Danvers then shows up at a school this kind of i was i didn't know what was happening here she's just like sending kids out of the school and the teacher's mad at her we find <laughs> out that this is one of danver's lovers ex-lovers i guess adam bryce who is a mm-hmm. geologist seemed like a swell fella um sat too close to her when he sat on the desk in front of her i was like that's a weird <laughs> way to sit next to someone but whatever um 
you love this guy. You love scientists. What's going on? What's going on with you and Adam and geology? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Does she go to him just because he's a scientist, I guess? I do want to call out that like on the board and what he's teaching his class is about like the Earth's core and talking about and trying to quiz them about it. And I think that does kind of sort of tie into what I mentioned in the first episode about maybe there is something with magnetic fields being altered and changed and maybe that's what kind of caused the caribou to kind of freak out and jump off that cliff so the lemming caribou yes that's (laughs) exactly what it was with all their magnet necklaces sure dragged (laughs) them right off the cliff but yeah i mean like the core is what ultimately controls like our magnetic fields and everything so the fact that he's actually teaching about it i think there could be a little bit more to to that theory so that that was kind of cool Sure. But he doesn't sure. give us a whole lot, right? It's just, I guess, showing that Danvers had a lot of lovers. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to go back to you were saying Earth's core. Core to me is something that would occur in something that was round. Or do you mean like that flat bottom layer of the Earth that <laughs> is like, you know, all the other layers are on top? the square earth that we live on that well, is Well, yeah, flat. we live on we live on the head side of earth. I'm talking about the tail side of earth. That's where the core is. Okay, got it. <laughs> I'm confused by that a little bit, but let's move on. Like um, a coin, the heads and tails. Sure, okay, yeah, I'm with you now. All right. Uh, I, I guess we are also, did you, I didn't get the sense that he was ever a part of Salal, but he no, just knew he them because he was part of the scientific community. Mm-hmm. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, 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 and he makes mention like I think they they cut away and then kind of come back to them when they're having a deeper conversation. But he mentions the idea that they're doing research to like stop cell decay and find microorganisms. Said it would never work because of I don't know. He's smarter than all these guys, even though he's just a geologist. Um, Ooh, but yeah, shots, I think that's a shots. <laughs> that was a bunch of geologists just caught strays from Tom. Goodness. <laughs> Ouch, listen, just a geologist. But, hey, listen, geologists are fantastic, and I'm sure they do great work, but it's like studying microbiology, I'd imagine, is a very different field of science than, than geology, and he seems to seems to know more than these scientists. Yeah, real swing and a miss, geologist, when you thought the earth, the earth was round. Good work. <laughs> how, how difficult is it just to dig to the bottom and find that bottom layer where the core is, that flat <laughs> core? Anyways... <laughs> Let's get in some more trouble, Tom. So we're and we're intercutting, as you mentioned, the the conversation between Adam and Danvers, and then also we have a conversation with um, Rose, the older lady who um, found the bodies, and um, Evangeline Navarro, who she calls Missy, which I found a little bit confusing. Characters should so never they have, have a past. three names. I mean, that's giving us that they have a past, like Danvers and Rose, or not Danvers, excuse me, but uh, Navarro and, and Rose here. Sure, 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 sure. But now that we know she's Evangeline Missy Navarro, it's quite possible that she will attempt to kill a president. So um, <laughs> names. We, we find out that Travis, who was the interpretive dancer in the visions and led to the bodies, mm-hmm. who's got the great... Dance moves, Tom. This is a podcast, and you can't see me, but I'm doing the robot. Pop it, lock it, roll. There you go. I just did the worm on the great. ground. Um, the he he committed suicide by ice, uh, which sounds like one of the best ways to go. Um, and he had As somebody Luke, who recently jumped out of your hot tub into your cold pool in the middle of winter. What do you think about that? Um, I think for about three seconds, it sounds like a terrible idea. 
and then your body goes numb and you slip into the great, great beyond, which is what I did until my spouse threw a ball at my head and was like, not yet, dummy. We have to raise these children. So then I went back in the hot tub. But um, he did have a terminal illness, it sounds like, and that is why Mm -hmm. he walked out on the ice. Um, We find out that the establishment was that Missy's the one that found his body. And what I think is very important in here, and I don't know if you caught it, Tom, but I listened with subtitles, and she mentions his last name, and Travis's last name is Cole, which I would not really give much credence to, although the only other time I've I've seen Cole spelled C-O-H-L-E is when Matthew McConaughey's character was named Rust Cole in mm-hmm. season one of one true detective. Also, dun, how to dun, lose a guy dun. in 10 days. So that's a little <laughs> bit strange. Um, but yeah, so I guess the conversation is they've got to be related. There's no way the show was just like, hey, let's throw this weird. I mean, unless the show just really wanted to mess with us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. And I never caught this on my first watch because it's, again, it's been too long removed since I watched the first season. But I don't know if it's a father-son relationship, if it's a cousin, if it's an uncle. I think in season one, they do make mention that like Rust leaves Louisiana is where they were kind of doing all this. He leaves there for Alaska for an extended period of time. Yeah, it's a quick trip across Um, the border. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't know what the tie is. And I'm sure people on the internet have done a lot more sleuthing than than I have. But uh, I, I, I... I like the concept and idea that we're trying to tie some of these storylines together with the first season. I think that's fun. The only thing I will say is that Old Rust in True Detective Season 1 and Travis Cole in Season 4 have very similar haircuts um, and very (laughs) similar looks. So there's got to be a relationship. You had talked about, because we're cutting back to the teacher and Danvers, their conversation about what the research facility was doing. There is a conversation with Evangeline and Rose where Rose is all about like the supernatural, seeing the supernatural, not because we're talking about uh, Evangeline Navarro's sister. And she's like, Mm -hmm. don't mistake the spirit world and the mental illness. And I thought that was kind of dangerous advice um, because historically, I don't know that uh, trying to exercise demons out of people rather than sending them to mental clinics. I don't know if we want to go back to that place, but that's probably a different subject for a different time. Um, and so, I, I once again, this is a common theme in a show like True Detective, and I thought this was interesting. You're always going to have like the believer, the one that doesn't see the world as like, strictly material, and then you have these detectives that are like, only seeing the the possibility of what's in what's in front of them right and rose brings up at one point like this concept of and i guess they even mentioned later on that enos is like has a lot of sightings of ghosts or dead people or hauntings or whatever i guess during these dark nights because she talks about the dead coming for people in different for different reasons so whether it's hauntings or to come say goodbye or I don't know what, but yeah, she's definitely all in on it. And I think you mentioned earlier, they talk about this whole spiral symbol and they both seem to know about it in some form or fashion. Like Rose almost seems like scared or frightened by it, but Navarro remembers it. And is it because of the tattoo that Annie had or 
Does does, that, she have, does Navarro have another tie to it? I believe that's what re- is revealed later, is okay. that this is coming from the Annie K case, and then Rose just being a spiritual being, I'm sure, has seen it somewhere, because um, she draws it in the snow, and then she... And then she wipes it out. And Tom, I I know you're typically the guy that um, corrects me on pronunciation, but the town is actually, it's pronounced anus. So just <laughs> please for future. I'm seeing it in writing now and um, I haven't paid attention, but it is, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. A, it's a fun the, name. The E is a hard A-ness. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's move on. You're welcome for that. When my kids listen to this 20 years from now. They'll laugh and remember me fondly. Um, probably. Well, it was discovered by P. Richard Enos, so yeah. <laughs> uh, nice, 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 nice. All right. Um, we meet a new character. Always lovely to meet a new character in a show where I can't remember the names of any of the characters. Uh, <laughs> but Ted Connolly is uh, some bigwig cop. He must be like the police chief in Anchorage. Mm-hmm. We find out that he's trying to take the case. He's like, the mayor's on my butt. You've got 48 <laughs> hours for those butts to thaw. Otherwise, the mayor's going to have my butt, my badge, and my gun. <laughs> So let those butts thaw. Anyways, it's like a power struggle. We find out that these two are former lovers. I'm not going to make any comments. Just I'm going to assume. Nope, I'm not going to assume anything about Danvers whenever we meet a gentleman in the show. But uh, speaking of butts, she has 48 hours for those butts to thaw. <laughs> and she chooses to use the ice rink, which is just a weird. This is all very strange, but... Yeah, I don't, I mean, she said this temperature controlled, so I guess they can slowly melt them. I don't know how this works. All I could think about is this ice rink is chaos. There's there's dudes in, like, full-on hockey stuff. There's girls doing, like, uh, like figure skating type things. This seemed like anarchy. Tom, you don't, you don't spend a lot of time at the ice rink. They typically have, I mean, ice time's expensive, especially in a state that doesn't have its own ice. We have to ship ice rinks in from Canada. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, it, I agree with you. It was chaos. This all leads to a conversation with Kate and Liz uh, Danvers, uh, Kate being the mine lady. And she is mentioned in the first season. And we find out that this is because uh, Danvers, episode. the first episode, sorry, Danvers dated Kate's now ex-husband, and the timeline is murky, much like the ring is going to be when these dead bodies thaw on it. <laughs> is this supposed to be... I don't know. Is, this isn't Connolly's ex-wife, is it? Uh, no. I don't, don't say think specific. So. I don't Yeah, I don't really know either. <laughs> no, I don't know who her ex-husband is. Okay. Um, it, may be the, it may be the geologist. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm sure we'll meet him at some point. But let's move on. Um, I just wrote in our note, because there's this conflict between the mine lady and Danvers. Danvers is like a jerk about, hey, we need the ice to thaw the bodies. And then the bodies are in the middle of the ice rink. And this ice rink doesn't seem to be like cordoned off at all. Like her daughter walks in and sees the bodies. I just... Danvers is like shouting at people, as you mentioned. She is not borderline, but truly racist um, to some people that seem to be helping her by watching her daughter once again later in the episode. Mm-hmm. I, 
my question is, is Danvers good at her job? I know she's asking the right questions later in the episode, but she's not really a people person. We'll just say that. <laughs> I feel like she's over her head with this case. And that's kind of what Connolly kind of comes in and says, like, hey, you don't have the right forensics department to do any of this kind of stuff. And she's just trying to do the best with what she can. But I do think they've established that she is a good detective and a good police officer, but just not a good person. Would you call her a true detective, Tom? <laughs> uh, we'll find out. Depends we'll find on how, out. Uh, how this goes. We'll find out. I think I think Navarro is a true detective. I don't know that. I, um, jury's still out on Liz. Jury's still know. out. I don't know. I'd be like Liz. Navarro's. Navarro's had this cold case for quite a while. She hasn't cracked it yet. Oh, that's fair. She okay. Hasn't become true okay. detective yet? Hot take. Tom thinks both Liz <laughs> and Navarro are terrible at their jobs. You can reach out to him at teambridgepodcast <laughs> at gmail dot com. Please put in the subject line. Tom, read this, not Julian. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So uh, I loved this moment as an avid iPhone user, Tom. They used the frozen corpse face to unlock an iPhone. <laughs> and I, once again, someone in my house turned me and was like, would that really work? I was like, I have no idea. Um <laughs> I do know that our kids now will grab our phones and hold them up to our faces just so they can get into them, which is funny. So not a corpse yet, but I'll let them figure it out at my funeral. (laughs) We see a video of the crew singing, uh, and they just seem to be having a lovely time. I don't know what this was supposed to tell us other than this wasn't like an internal conflict where they beat each other to death, or I don't know. What was the crew singing supposed to tell us? I think, yeah, exactly that. Like, they were a tight-knit group that, I, I like what you mentioned at the top, too, them, like, being on a spaceship kind of all by themselves, because they essentially were. Like, guys were coming to bring them supplies, but it didn't seem like these guys really ever left the base. But, right. I don't know, maybe maybe this Clark guy did, and we find this trailer at the end. But, yeah, I, I, I like this because it does establish them as a good tight-knit crew, and it likely wasn't, well, I don't know. I, I, I guess we... It wasn't like a yeah anarchy in here, and that's how they all all perished. Sure, sure. This leads to the Sherlock Holmes scene where we're supposed to discover that Liz is a good detective because she's asking the right questions, and she does this with Pete, which is very much like a Sherlock and Watson back and forth mm-hmm. of Watson like blundering and Sherlock having to like guide him through the right questions. Pete's throwing out ideas. He's like a polar bear without depth perception. And she's like, that's oddly specific. And he's like, well, the polar bear doesn't have an eye. And that's how you get depth (laughs) perception. He's like, oh, they were undressed and their clothes were laid out. They talk about paradoxical hypothermia. Once again, it happened in that Russian incident, which is really creepy. You should read about it. Um, And she's ultimately like, how scared do you have to be to run out without your clothes? And his question, or at least what she guides him to, is who folded the clothes? And that's Mm -hmm. when they come up. I think the purpose of that is, like, someone was alive to fold the clothes. Like, there was Mm -hmm. a killer, or at least someone that lived. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was... Oh, and then they replay that video of the guy shaking in the background, which just gets creepier and creepier. If they show in the next episode a camera of a camera of a camera of that guy (laughs) shaking... I'm going to be just as disturbed as I was the first time I saw it. So we got like security footage from the other other angle. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, he's got a phone in front of him. He's just doing some sort of TikTok dance. I don't know. Is shaking a TikTok dance yet? Probably. 
Uh, they do mention, once again, that uh, I don't remember whose conversation this was, but we've got a conversation about water turning black around the time of this incident. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, uh, this is, I believe, where Navarro is talking to, or Danvers and Pete are going and talking to the cleaning ladies. That's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, it's the same lady from the domestic violence uh, incident. Um, she goes and cleans the station. The water had turned black. All of this is like, they're cutting back and forth between Pete and Danvers, mm-hmm. kind of getting the same story from these two women. Yeah, and they talk, I think, was it the vending machine guy that talks about, like, Clark being off, and I think that's how we get later on. And to... that's Raymond Clark, right? I just want to make yes. sure I've got his name right, since he's the guy that killed everyone. Raymond Clark. <laughs> Seemingly. He's he's our, he's our toss, top sus at this point. Um, but I mentioned him being, like, a little bit off, and I guess walking around the facility naked and doing some other banana Talking stuff. Talking to himself. And yeah. he's the one shaking, right? He's the one shaking, and he's then, the one I with think... the patch, the ripped patch jacket, and he's the mm-hmm. one that was involved with Annie K. We find out via the chest tattoo. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, more or less, they're just doing the detective work to understand more about our boy Raymond. Now, let me throw this theory out at you, Tom. We get a bunch of grown men all naked together out in the snow. We have a story of one Raymond Clark walking around in the buff like normally. Maybe Raymond Clark was so charismatic, he just convinced all these guys that living without clothes was the way to live. Maybe mm. he taught them about an afterlife, and he led them to that afterlife uh, when he was like, hey, let's play offensive-defensive football outside like they do in <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. And so they all went out there, um, and Glenn Powell joined them, and they all died. Thoughts? Listen, I'm not. I'm not taking it off the table. Wonderful. I'm not. I'm that, not keeping it on the table. Not, but I'm not going to take it. Well, that. Well, is it on? This is not Schrodinger's cat. Is it on or off the table? It's got to be one. All right. Got to open up the table to find out. <laughs> open up the table to find out. All right. Um, I don't know how tables work. Yeah, me neither. I don't know how the planet works. I'm assuming tables are round. <laughs> There's a scene, Tom, explain this one to me. Navarro finds like a cross under her steering wheel. She's listening to the Spice Girls and almost dies. And she throws the cross outside. What What was, like, is someone stashing uh, crucifixes in her car? What was this telling us? I want to say this is maybe more the hallucination stuff. Because I think we get, I don't know if we've already done it in this episode or we get it a little bit later. But she's talking to her sister and we get a quick flashback of her mom seemingly being like possessed and being you know had a very tough mental illness problem and she's kind of like holding on to her sister kind of trying to protect her but she is wearing this cross so and then ultimately navarro throws this cross like out of the window so you can make an argument that it maybe never existed and it was never there and it was just kind of in her mind um we see it resting they very pointedly show it resting in the snow like it's real so i have a tough time believing the cross and it hit that vampire who disintegrated just minding his own business, walking along in turtle darkness, and he got hit with a crucifix and died, which I thought was a little bit strange, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's a different one. That's Midnight Mass. That's Midnight um, Mass. That but yeah, different. like, I, I appreciate her listening to the Spice Girls. Uh, my, my wife is a big Spice Girls fan, so she enjoyed that. Um it's Down. interesting that that's, that's her and her sister's song, Down. I Wanna Be. 
Dumb. You love the Spice Girls, too. You don't have to do that. Listen, did I sing, lip sync the Spice Girls in sixth grade talent show with uh, four of my buddies? Yeah, we sure yeah. did. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> to this yes, exact song, did. actually. Yes. yes, you did. And you've told that on this podcast before. So something you don't have to hide, my friend. Be proud yeah. of it. Be the British national it. treasure. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And as an American, can't stand them. That's why, that's why we won. <laughs> That's why we became America. Yeah, the sugar girls. <laughs> sugar. What? Wait, what? Sp- that, was, oh, that was America's God, response. I got you. Um, okay. Uh, we're also dumb here sometimes, <laughs> a little bit. Um, all right. Let's go back to... Um, we find out that Raymond Clark bought a trailer from this this dude that works at the mine... Oh, there, did we already get... There's like a um, a little bit of a scuffle in the bar earlier. Mm-hmm. Seems like a normal uh, anus bar scene where people are getting into scuffles. <laughs> yep, classic but, anus. <laughs> classic. Um, we have a quick shot of Hank being catfished or conned by a Russian. Got to send mm-hmm. some money for that mom's medication. Um, <laughs> and this is then... To your point earlier, you mentioned, hey, was he like hiding? He clearly knows when he he knows where the file is. He pretended not to know, but as soon as he sees this cabinet door open, he knows what's missing. So, mm-hmm. uh, to your point, he was for some reason hiding that file. Yeah, yeah. Don't know what it is, but he seems he seems dubious at best. Tom, should we take bets? Is the Russian bride? Is this going to happen? Is this is this a con? Um, is it like all those people told me not to give money to that Nigerian prince and I got it all back <laughs> and some, that's why I have a hot tub. Thanks Nigerian <laughs> prince for the hot tub. What do you, what I'm do you trying think? To think? I'm trying to think what character we've seen in the show so far that could be the person catfishing him. Is there anybody else that doesn't like Hank? Oh, Maybe it's his son. Oh, Maybe you it's his don't. Son, Pete. Okay. You don't think this is, <laughs> this is. Have I told the story where my little brother tried to catfish me on MySpace, like when we were real, real young, and I found out about it through my dad, because my dad thought it was just a terrible game uh, to play (laughs) one son on his lonely brother, and uh, so I sent this truly disturbing message back to this person, and I could hear my brother laughing on his computer, (laughs) and then I ran out, knocked him down, and I mean, as brothers fight, we... We, anyways, it was pretty funny. fantastic. Yeah. So, shout out to Pat. He was the You're original man. original catfish. The original catfish. They talk about calling Clark's mom, and he's been missing from Dublin. He's apparently Irish. He's been missing for ten years. She's like, mm-hmm. he's dead to me. And the detective's like, well, he's dead to everyone, actually. So you don't have <laughs> well, to be mad about presumed, him. Presumed, presumed dead. Oh, that's true. There's a reveal at the end, Tom. Mm-hmm. My bad. Pete talks about who funds Salal, and it's just like a faceless corporation. I don't know. I was just like... So, I, I kind of thought the same. And give them tax <laughs> credits. That's all I could think. I was like, I don't know who this corporation is, but it sounds like we should give them tax cuts. I think they mentioned it's like Tuttle United, and then he makes even like the joke about like, we're in everything. Like one of those type of companies. <laughs> we I keep you alive. <laughs> yeah. But this apparently does, again, have ties to season one. Like, the Tuttle family was, like, running a cult in Louisiana. So it's people that uh, Woody Harrelson and uh, Matthew McConaughey actually talked to. So Really? Again, okay. trying to get back to season one. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe I'm going to have to binge. Well, I never binge watch a show, but maybe I'll have to go back and binge watch season one just to see what we're missing from this one. Yeah. Tom, are we bad podcasters if we haven't done the research? Listen, that's a lot of research. I'll, I'll watch some videos on mine and translate the videos I'm on to this podcast. Yeah, you don't come good. to this podcast for the truth. You come for the humor. <laughs> well, sure, I guess. If you find, let us know if you find any. Um, I'm going to go listen to a better podcast to learn what we missed, and then just regurgitate it on here, and not give them any types of any type of shout out. Mm-hmm. That's my current plan. Okay, so Pete's wife is Kayla. I think this is where Liz is like, oh, you're not going home. You got to go to the ice rink and watch the bodies. Just a terrible (laughs) boss. He's like, oh, I have a daughter that hasn't seen me in years. She's like, don't care. Your your family's going to hate you anyways. And then she goes to Pete's house and they are watching Leia, her daughter, and she's Mm -hmm. terrible to everyone. I was just like... Aren't they doing you a favor? They're watching your kid. I don't know. I thought this was wildly like Danvers cannot possibly be this terrible as a human to be like, oh, yeah, I'm making your husband work late. Thanks for watching my kid. Uh, Let me be racist to your grandma. Like all of this in the span of 15 seconds. Just it's not Thanksgiving. You can't be terrible to everyone. You know, save that for the holidays, Liz. Well, you know what I was most mad about? She comes in and, like, starts uh, playing with Darwin, the kid, uh, and and asking about, like, oh, how are your Legos going? I'm like, well, first off, it's Lego, not Legos. And if you look closely, they're definitely not Lego. They're Duplos. They're the (sighs) child version of Lego. So that's what got me the most. uh, As an avid Lego fan, I was very upset about that. Sure, sure. Let me write down in my notes here. Tom, not (laughs) mad about racism, (laughs) mad about misnamed Legos. Ugh. All right. Well, whatever. Good for you. Way to, that, so way to know what they're is, called. There is a, a, when they do cut back and show, like, Danvers with her son, who I'm assuming, you know, maybe passed away in, in some tragic uh, means, you can see not only, like, the polar bear when she's playing with the son, but you can actually see, like, Lego in the background there, too. So I think this is... Again, like another tie where she sees this and it makes her think of her her son. Sure. So I'm going to tell this and I'm probably going to get in trouble, but it was too too funny not to. My spouse, who listens to us for some reason, goes, did you guys miss the part where Danvers talks about how her kid died? Her kid died when she slipped and fell at four, and that's why she drives. And I just stared at my wife, and I stared at my wife, and she goes, wait. I'm thinking of something else. We had watched Gravity. That's what um, the main character of Gravity talks about her child passing away. (laughs) And honestly, my wife is smarter than I, and she almost made me believe it. I was almost going to come on this podcast and be like, don't you remember when Danvers is in the spacecraft and she tells a sad story to floating away George Clooney? Anyways... That's Watch Gravity for the first time. It was a pretty, pretty good movie. Yeah, it is. Whew. All right. There is a conversation between Navarro and her sister about going into treatment. The sister doesn't want to. This is kind of like what you talked about with the flashback with the sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, with the mom. There, there's, this seems to run in the family, and so the sister doesn't want to do that. 
we have did you talk about this already jodie foster and the one-eyed polar bear yeah, she's kind of looking through the boxes, I think, trying to figure out, you know, trying to solve this mystery, and she's having these like, flashbacks. And we also get, which I didn't mention, is there's, like, the Beatles songs playing in the background, Twist and Shout. So that's why she, like, she doesn't hate the Beatles. It's just, it's reminding her of her son. Sure, sure. Because uh, nobody hates the Beatles. Well, the Beatles, I don't like the Beatles. Overrated. Uh, <laughs> yep, you heard it here, Tom. Fight me. Anyways... <laughs> You know who's a great band? Creed. Creed's a great, a great oh, band. Goodness. Um, oh, goodness. That's right. Creed Bratton. <laughs> Hank hits Pete. Says something like, Danvers not family. Blood is blood. Once again, first off, let me just say this. Pete is a grown man. Hank is a grown man. So when he hits him, I don't think of that as child abuse. I just think that is two grown men hitting each other. Okay. Pete stole something from Hank from his house and lied about it. Hank... As someone who's allowed to protect his property in the state of Alaska is just beating on the robber. So I was fine with all of this. I was especially fine because it was a backhand, which is more of a like you hurt my honor rather than like a punch to the nose, which is a mm. I break your nose, robber. You know, mm. I don't know if I agree with your sentiment, nor will do or will this hold up in court. But uh, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Well, they're both police officers, so no one's going to take it to court. They're going to take it to police court, which, sorry to our police friends who've told us about the secret society of police where they go into the street and they dance fight, and then whoever wins the dance fight gets street justice. So, sorry, Andy. I didn't want to reveal that secret, but had to. Anyways, we cut from there to maybe a more violent act. Uh, which is uh, two, I'm not going to say elderly people, um, making weird, passionate love on a end table in a weird hotel. I don't mm. know. This was um, this was not erotic, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> I mean, we're two episodes in, and both of our main characters, we've had, we've had uh, lovemaking scenes, so... Uh... Yeah, it was. Uh, it I was could fun. do with less of them. Enjoy. I guess is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> if I could vote less, I just just more handshakes and hey buddies, you know, maybe some friendly okay. pats on the back. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we do find out that uh, Connolly and Danvers have been. I guess there's been a running affair because they both were married or with other people for 19 years. This leads to an argument, which I don't know. Felt like they were fighting on top of that uh, end table already. So I guess this is just a continuation (laughs) of that argument, even though it seemed like they finished the argument, albeit too quickly. Anyways, let's move on. Uh, He wants to keep a lid on the case. Man, I hope Gam Gam doesn't listen to this one. Um, He wants to leave. Hopefully he was wearing a lid on his case. (laughs) Tom, I don't. Tom, I don't, uh, I don't understand that reference, and I won't <laughs> respond to it. Um, for those of you who don't know, we are a podcast for children. We're a podcast for kids. That's that's who listens. We, yeah, we we just skipped the fact that they they get mad because she doesn't mm-hmm. want to give the case up, and he thinks she's just doing it out of stubbornness. Um, this cuts to who calls the tattoo artist? Is it Danvers? Danvers. Okay, mm-hmm. this tattoo artist is the most organized person to ever run any business ever. She's like, oh, I've got before and after pictures of everything. You, Oh, the date? Yes. Is this, do tattoos, 
I've never gotten the sense, Tom, and I don't want to offend anyone. I've never gotten the, the the sense that the tattoo industry was all that regulated and like big on paperwork. But I get the sense that uh, maybe it is, and I've just been wrong this whole time. It seemed very much like a plot device, the where she said, "Oh, but I have a picture of it too that I can send you." Like it was all just a little bit pretty, but I'm okay with it. Like it's it's moving the story along and allows us to tie. Uh, Annie and Raymond together. She's like, yeah, the tattoo looked like a spiral. And she's like, oh, spiral. How unique. I've never seen that pattern before. And then it cuts to the tattoo artist looking at a refrigerator where a kid's crayon drawing is just all spirals. And she's like, oh, what an original design. Yeah, I remember that too, tattoo. No one draws spirals these days. Mm. <sighs> all right. I wasn't frustrated with that part at all. Um, we're back with... Navarro and is this where her and Danvers are talking in the kitchen Danvers has broken and entered into Navarro's house which Mm -hmm. I think Tom I think Navarro should be able to walk up to Danvers and backhand her because (laughs) she broke and entered into her house and this is Alaska Justice do you watch Alaska Justice, Tom? The reality TV show where people backhand each other for robbing other people? Alaska no, just Justice. Truckers. It's Astro on the History Channel right after mm. Aliens and Ancient History or whatever the <laughs> heck that show's called. <laughs> All right. Well, we do get the idea that like Eddie and, and like, Raymond has some sort of relationship, right? Like did Raymond, yeah. he got it four days afterwards. They're holding Raymond each other love? in the picture. Is he, this, okay, is like okay. a weird, this is like a weird celebrity... Like magazine cover photo shoot where they're both mm-hmm. shirtless. Yes, they they were certainly. I mean, you don't hug shirtless unless you're friends. You know, mm-hmm. as these yeah, eight dudes true. in the snow found out, they were pretty Correct. pretty good friends. All hugging yeah, body shirtless, heat. body mm-hmm. heat, the best kind of heat. Yeah, <laughs> but we do get the confirmation, and I think we kind of knew it. I was I said it wasn't confirmed, but we get it confirmed here that the tongue did belong to Annie. Yep. Yep. Uh, do you watch that Alaskan show, Tom? Who does the tongue belong to? It's like <laughs> kind of like a family feud. And he's like, show us whose tongue it belongs to. Ding, 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 ding. And the person can't speak because it's their tongue. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, I wrote Partnership of Convenience, but I'm super confused as to where we are in the show. <laughs> classic, classic Julian outline. I think this is where they're together at her house and they're like realizing that, okay, these... These cases do work together, uh, or clearly uh, go together. We should work together in some form or fashion to try to solve this because Danvers understands that Navarro knows a lot more about the Annie case than, than she does. Sure. But I I wanted to call out, like, I know what they're doing here in this scene because when Danvers comes in, she's, like, trying to help put away her groceries, and she, like, puts the cans away, and she's like, oh, did you change where you put the cans? So clearly kind of showing that they did have a very close relationship or, like, she knew where her stuff was. But I felt like it was odd to just start putting away somebody else's groceries. Like, I wouldn't want that to happen. I don't want you to put away my groceries. I'm never going to find them. They're going to be like in my cupboards with, you know, my plates and pans when I'm looking for, you know, my Doritos. It was weird. That's fair. I think this is just a classic, like, movie and show device just to show how in sync these two people are. It's kind of like that scene in The Hobbit where they're singing and throwing plates. You're just like, oh, these guys are a team that work together. And in the same way Navarro and Danvers sing and put away the groceries in sync. Um, yeah, that's what I took it as. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, they're going to be partners and solve this murder because they're so good at putting groceries away. That's how I mm-hmm. took it. 
I think Jodie Foster just wanted to do something with her hands in the scene. Right. Yeah, exactly. She's like, hey, there's not a lot of action in this show. I really think I could. And she just hucks cereal across the kitchen. It explodes. She's like, all right, I'm, I'm a one take. I'm one take Foster. So use that however you will. That's why there's Cheerios and Lucky Charms all over the counter. All right. No continuity. <laughs> nope, none. Let's go back to Pete and Leia. And so there seems to be a relationship between these two. The age range, I would say these two are either 10 years apart or six months apart. I don't really mm-hmm. know. Um, it's difficult to tell, but they clearly like know each other's parents. They've got some history. Uh, I mean, kind of a, you know, this is kind of... Uh, Tom, I know we make a lot of office references, but this where they're, they're sitting in the chair and they're having this kind of romantic staring at corpsicles very much reminded me of jim and pam on top of dunder mifflin having (laughs) having their first date i felt like this was i was like okay i see where the show's going very romantic watching bodies thaw thoughts yeah i think even pete mentions like oh you don't want to get up close like it's gonna haunt your nightmares or whatever it's like i would argue you're close enough for this to haunt you for the rest of your oh yeah 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 (laughs) yeah Ice rink's not that big, bro. It's uh, you can see that dude's, uh, let's say, uh, his genitals that are frozen. I don't know. Yes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but they do, yeah. They they have a relationship. I don't think they're that close in age. No, it's not romantic. Range, so I was joking. Not, yes, but like Leah mentions that her dad was a stoner, um, and they, and that Danvers was like used to be cool. They're like, hey, mm-hmm. Danvers. I don't want to tell you this, but Danvers used to dance. And I was like, ah, that was back before they outlawed it. And it's outlawed dancing. Good for the heroes. But ultimately, it's like these two characters just going back and forth talking about as kids, like they can never be good enough seemingly for their their parents or whatever. So they have they have some stuff in, in common. Yeah. Well, she also is like, oh, what happened to your face? Which I thought his face looked fine. And then he's like, oh, I stole files from my dad and he backhanded me. And she's like, yeah, that's what you get, Alaska Justice, on Wednesdays at 9 p.m. on the History Channel. She looks straight down the camera when she gave that advertisement. Also drink Pepsi. Um, Yeah. Interesting bonding moment, but once again, couldn't. If you had me in a bunch of frozen bodies just, like, staring, I don't know that I would be much of a conversationalist. I certainly mm-hmm. wouldn't be on my phone watching TikTok videos, which is what Pete is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, or is he on the person's... He's not on the person from the facility's phone watching their videos, right? He's, like, watching I, funny internet stuff. I can't remember what he's watching, but I feel like they did comment on it. it. It seemed like it would be more pertinent for him to be watching that guy's phone, and maybe he's going through like that guy's TikTok because he was clearly recording mm. something when he was making that sandwich. So that seemed like it would it would make more sense. Oh, that's a good question. Did you feel like he was doing a sandwich tutorial, or did you feel like he was like video chatting with home, and he just happened to be making a sandwich at the same time? Oh no no no! That's a that's a sandwich tutorial. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Tom, I've if got a. Tic- if you haven't gone, if you haven't gone down the TikTok sandwich rabbit hole, man, you are missing out. Oh, Tom! That's not only lot. have I gone down that rabbit hole, I've made a couple. If you look Ooh. up Julian makes a peanut butter and pickle sandwich, you'll find <laughs> me take gourmet bread, uh, some Jiffy peanut butter, and a sweet kosher dill, and make the most delicious <laughs> sandwich that anyone's ever had. No joke, I've eaten those for lunch several days this week, so uh, come at (laughs) me, internet. No, not disgusting. Wrong. Listen, 
Those people in the 1930s when it was the Great Depression and pickles were all they had, they were on to something when they made those peanut butter and pickle <laughs> sandwiches. <laughs> all right. Navarro shows up at... Is anyone nicer and being treated worse than Quavik? I, I don't... Yeah. This guy seems like a lovely fella that's just mm-hmm. being tortured. Once again, Quavik, and I don't... Uh, ooh, I don't condone domestic violence, but... Navarro does break into his house, and we know Alaska Justice uh, says that Quavik should be able to backhand her. So I didn't make the rules. Alaska Justice did. I'm just saying it's on the table. I'm going to get in trouble for that one. I'm excited for the spinoff series. Alaska Revenge? Yes. Uh, Alaska Revenge, Night Country, or whatever. Anyways. All right, so... They have a conversation. Uh, oh, <laughs> this is where an aha moment happens, where mm-hmm. she realizes that Raymond Clark bought the trailer in order to make friendship bracelets with Annie Kay in secret. And the mm-hmm. only place, Tom together, the only place you would keep a trailer would be at the, the cranny. Oh, okay. Sorry. We were not in sync on that one. Uh, I thought that this was like a sitcom moment. I was like, okay, they said that in unison. And we find the old Golden Eagle, which is a trailer. Which made me think about, that was my soccer team growing up as a kid. We were the Golden Eagles. So immediately just took me back and I was just in in, uh, in La La Land thinking about yeah. my, my glory days. Tom just wants to point out the Golden Eagles you had to try out and be selected for. The rest of us were on the team that, I don't know, we all got trophies and uh, we there made were silver our Eagles. team names. Yeah, didn't make the silver <laughs> Eagles either, Tom. Didn't make the silver, didn't make the gold. They were like, we could make a bronze, but you guys wouldn't make that either. So you can just be the Lions and play in the rec league. So thanks for pointing out you were good at soccer and I was an idiot. Mm-hmm. I appreciate yes. you. Any, any chance I can get. Any chance I can get. Um, before Creepy like, trailer, by the way. We should point out super creepy, creepy trailer. trailer. Um, before uh, Navarro, I think, ultimately calls Danvers, gets her over here to kind of go through the trailer. Danvers is, like, looking through Clark's notes um, about, like, I don't know, the biology and, like, actual scientific stuff that we're doing. But then it kind of cuts into his, like, just wild drawings and pictures. And, of course, there were words on the screen, Julian, and I had to pause to see what the words were. Um, it's it's just like riddled nonsense. And it says, I can hear her moving, her fingers cold, dark, her eyes, her eyes, her face. So, like, I, when he turns and it says, like, she's awake, I wonder if he's, like, all of this is Annie to him. Like, he's being either haunted by Annie or something's kind of going on. Um, and like even the way he like draws the eyes in the notebook, it's just something about that is just so unsettling to me when you you see that in a, a movie or a show. Tom, I did not read any of these words. I am haunted by the fact that you read them to me. It sounds, <laughs> yeah. I mean, is this guy just spiraling into the abyss, and he is what ends all these people? That's what they're pitching it to us. But mm-hmm. I don't feel like, you know, you and I have watched too much TV. I don't feel like they would telegraph that so early although you know we're next will be the middle of the season so i don't know i I feel like it's too it's too early to telegraph that it's Mm -hmm. raymond and be right but i do think they have made him a suspect and super super creepy yes fact 
just like this trailer is, which has got a bunch of drawings and hanging things and creepy dolls, which does go back to season one of mm-hmm. uh, True Detective, right? Like even like the bones, they find like the animal bones on the uh, table. And I think that was pretty heavy in season one. And I don't know, like, again, they mentioned Rust going to Alaska. I think they even mentioned that Rust might have had like a trailer. I wonder if this could have been his or I, I don't know. I don't think it's worth necessarily speculating on. But I do like this scene very specifically tied it back to to season one for me with all the creepy like dolls and I don't know shenanigans going on. And what ultimately is that like body in there? Is that like a husk of a body? It's not a real body, right? It's like just a mannequin or something. I couldn't tell. Tom, you've obviously never been lonely before. Um, And I can only speak from being lonely. Um, Sometimes when you have slept alone, for a long, long time. You just need the comfort of a fellow human being. And sometimes mm-hmm. you take pillowcases and stuff them with straw so that they look like the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz, and you wrap your body around it, and it makes it feel like you're sleeping with another person, and the world isn't so lonely. Um, mm. But so if you're also a... Rumbling in the hay? Yes, a tumble in the hay. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Um, And then sometimes you fall asleep with a half-lit cigarette, and your best pal, Mr. Strawy Strawman, goes up (laughs) in flames, and so does your trailer. So... You know what I also want to make note of here is, like, there's this curtain that is closed that Danvers has to open up. My assumption is Navarro already went into this trailer, right, and has looked through everything. I like the concept of Navarro, like, staging it back up, like, oh, I'm going to put the curtain up so she can have this dramatic reveal. I thought that was sure. kind of funny. Oh, <laughs> like the curtain that divides rooms, you mean, not yes. like a curtain over a window. Yes. Yeah. She's like, have you gone through here? She's like, no, I thought it was a wall. It's clearly a sheet, lady. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that was that was good. All right, the big reveal at the end here is, and I was trying to count the bodies when Pete says something like, there's only six. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, there's supposed to be eight. And my spouse who's smarter than me is like, well, one's in the hospital. Because I was like, oh, we're missing two. She's like, well, <laughs> one's in the hospital, idiot. And I was like, you kind of made a blunder earlier, but we're not going to point that out. Um, and so we've got six bodies in the ice. One in the hospital, and then guess who's missing, Tom? Clark. Clark? Yeah, Clark's Clark. missing. He Isn't says there, there's no Clark. There still was like a body or somebody like running around when that guy went to like, I don't know, refill the vending food machine. Or yeah. Else. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he drops the Funyuns. Yep, exactly. Who else is, yeah, who else is around that could be that if there's Clark. nobody else? Raymond you Clark. Think that's, that's Clark. Okay, okay. We don't know where Raymond Clark is. That's fair. That makes sense. He probably like runs up, grabs the Funyuns, and like she's awake, and he's like, "I don't know what that means." And he's like, "Can you bring the low sodium Funyuns next time?" And then he runs off. And he's like, "Oh, by the way, there's six bodies outside," and then the door closes, and Florence and the Machine kicks in, and Florence and the Machine rocks. Man, when this song came on, I was like, "Ooh, I had a Florence and the Machine phase where just." <laughs> That woman, I think her name's Florence, she can sing a song. That's for darn sure. You know who's yeah, not good? Agree. The Beatles. Do you know who is good? Florence and the Machine. Boom. Oof, oof. Listen, Tell your I'm dad, not... Tom. Really hurt his feelings. <laughs> dad, big Beatles fan. I, they're both fantastic in their own right. 
What a politician you are. What a politician. <laughs> All right. So that was episode two. Tom, I think I had more t- fun talking about it than watching it. I don't know what that means, but uh, we're getting somewhere. I'm going to be interested in whether or not this show deviates from reality and there is some, like, I don't know, spiritual, supernatural stuff that affects mm-hmm. it or whether or not in the end it's going to be, I don't know, a canary in a mine and gas against the nitrogen plant. And um, I don't know. That all led to all of this. I I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Do you, do you feel like it's going to be... Well, we're going to meet the dead guy that is alive with his broken arm. And so we're going to get some details there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that... Does he die before we get to interview him? I feel like he gives up the ghost, right? Because he, he's going to know exactly what happened. I Yeah, I don't know how they're going to use him. Like, I don't think it's going to be in the next episode. I would imagine it might be like the penultimate one where they give some sort of like cliffhanger and he kind of says something that leads Danvers and Navarro down a certain rabbit hole. But... I, I still think that we're probably going to go a little bit deeper into the mine and like what it is to this community and what's kind of going on there because that seems to be the catalyst for why Andy Kay was seemingly murdered. See what this like shell corporation is like. I feel like we got to dive deeper in that at this point. Sure, uh, I would be like I see them in like the Pentultimate, which for those of you that don't know is the episode before Every, the finale. Everybody knows this but you. <sighs> um, they're all gathered in the hospital. They're like, he's waking up, he's waking up. And the guy wakes up, and he's like, what happened to my arm? And they're like, oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> and then they're like, what happened to you? And he goes, global warming. And then he dies, <laughs> like flat lines. And half the people in the room are like, nah, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. That's not real. And then the other half are like, no, it's going to kill us before we leave this room. And then global warming, Tom. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Listen, if a murder at the end of the world, how does nothing? That's coming for us. He's like, I've been hacked. <laughs> He's like, what <laughs> happened to my arm? Someone's like, oh, your arm was hacked. Uh, anyways. You're going to be you're gonna be all right. You're you left be- your left hand. <laughs> <laughs> this doctor's so literal. All right. Um, that's enough of this. Uh, for those of you that have stuck around this long, we appreciate you. You can reach out to us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. Tom and I truly have nothing going on in our lives, so we'd love to hear from you if you do reach out. Tom will talk about the social media stuff. My only request is, if you enjoy us and you'd like to, please go on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Uh, I think Spotify also allows you to do similar things like that, so join us there. Uh, Tom, what did I miss with the social media stuff that you don't let me yes. get on because I messaged the Justice Department and then we get on a watch <laughs> list and now none of us can fly out of the country for a little while. Whatever. Feel to, yeah, feel free to uh, scroll through our uh, Twitter and see if you can figure out which ones were Julian and which ones were me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard. It's not a hard game. You'll win every time. Uh, <laughs> Instagram and Twitter at Team Binge and at Team Binge Podcast. Follow us there. Again, I like a show that allows us to kind of slow burn it a little bit. We don't binge it all at once. It gives us time to kind of think about it and then uh, get some feedback from listeners to kind of get your your thoughts and theories. So please keep sending them our way. It's a lot of fun. And again, we've been doing this uh, podcast long enough. We've got quite a few shows in the backlog. So uh, please take a look. And uh, if you kind of like our shenanigans that we're doing here and like some of the other shows that we've done, uh, please go check them out. All right. I have been Julian. 
and I have been Gumshoe Tom. Till next week, everybody. Have a good one.